You are now tuned in to the December 26er podcast, where we encourage you to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Hey, 26er family, welcome to another episode of the December 26er podcast. I am your host, Delisha, and this episode features Asha Griffith. Asha is a tap dancer, international hip hop artist, entrepreneur, and all around creative force. Her versatility has led her to opportunities to choreograph for Grammy Award winning musician Esperanza Spaulding and work with other notables like Hilary Swank, Solange Knowles, and Steve and Jason Harvey. During our conversation, we chat about how she came to the decision to work as a creative full-time, why she placed her musical career on hold, and the importance of the arts, especially tap. As always, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And without further ado, I hope you enjoy. Asha, welcome to the December 26th podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. How are you on this uh, rainy Saturday? <laughs> it's definitely rainy. I'm a, I'm getting over like a little cold, mm-hmm. but it's all good. This is sleep weather right. for sure. It is. It is. But I don't know, like since the new year and I hate to make it like the new year mark that changes everything because it's really not. It's mm-hmm. just another day. But I just always felt good, even though I'm kind of under the weather. Sure. I hear you. Yeah. Um, so I must say, like, you got the artsy look going on. I love it. I love when our creatives come on the show because they just bring a different energy, a different style and a different swag, um, which which I appreciate quite a bit. Now, you told me on the phone, you were like, I want to come as me. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I'm loving it for sure. Um, so tell us, who is Asha Griffith? Who is Asha Griffith? So I was thinking about that question on the way here because I feel like it's a question that I get asked in a lot of interviews, but mm-hmm. I always feel weird answering it because I'm evolving. Mm-hmm. I can almost better tell you what I am, you know, than who I am mm-hmm. because I'm changing all the time and who I think I am sometimes is not who I am Understood. or who I want to be is not who I may be right now, but mm-hmm. I may be grabbing like components of both who sure. I think I am and who I want to be and pre- presenting it as who I am. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. But at the end of the day, like how you perceive me, how DeMarcus perceives me, how anybody perceives me will be who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, But if I had to give you like a straight laced answer, I'm a creative person. I'm a woman. Um, I'm sensitive. I'm intuitive. I am humble. I'm funny. I like to have fun. I like to be happy. I'm a happy person. Um, But yeah, that's also what I am, too, in a way. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of it's kind of a tough question for me to answer. Well, let's start at the creative piece, because I I find that whatever the first thing is that people say um, is the thing that they often feel the most comfortable uh, talking about. They find it the easiest thing to describe. Um, So when you say you're a creative in in what ways? Oh, man. And in a bunch of ways. So Mm -hmm. I'm a musician. I make music. I'm also a tap dancer. So I do that, too. But I also am a visionary. So mm-hmm. I have other ideas that have nothing to do with music or dance um, that solve problems. So being a creative to me, it's literally being able to solve problems um, in a way that may not be uh, novel or mm-hmm. I'll say in a novel way, not the opposite. That makes no sense. But um, in a novel way um, and come up with interesting ways to do that. So, yeah, that I, I'm always thinking my mind is always going with ideas, which can sometimes be a little bit overwhelming because I mm-hmm. want to do them all. But I can't do them all because you really got to focus on at least one at a time, if not a few um, to build. But, yeah, as a creative person, I'm just always looking for opportunities to make something new, to reinvent something, to 
even things that I don't have experience with, right? I have mm-hmm. just these ideas on how to bring something into the world. So, yeah, you know, I was speaking earlier about how New York, I've never been a person who has like this emotional attachment to New York and, and like I'm never living anywhere else. But one of the things that I've always appreciated about it, though, is the the high concentration in the New York City area of creatives and that ability to be interested in a bunch of things and have a bunch of ideas that you uh, explore. And, you know, you might be on this this thing this this month and then you've got three other initiatives that you're you're putting forth. And people don't really blink at that. Like in other parts of the country, it's like, what, what are you doing now? Like, yeah. you know, that you get that vibe. But here, I think so many people are like that, mm-hmm. that you're like, oh, here's this new thing I'm working on. And it's never like, well, what happened to the other thing? It's just like, oh, that's what you're on now. That's, right. That's amazing. Tell me about you doing both. Like, how are you balancing that? So that, I think that's one of the benefits um, of living here, that you can be squarely in your creative self with varied interests without judgment. No, for sure. And that's from society, I think. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I feel like a lot of people have family, you know, mm-hmm. that may not feel the same way. Luckily enough, I have uh, my parents are supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, right, if I come to my mom and I'm like, ooh, ooh, ooh like I have so many different things um, that are really good. Some of them aren't so good, but some of them are really <laughs> worth diving into, you know. Um, but still, there comes a point where you have to take that step and actually move forward with it. Because mm-hmm. an idea is just an idea. And right. we're all people and there are probably 20 other people on the planet with the same idea as mine, no matter how innovative it is, right? But it's about who actually goes forth and tries to put it together. So I think that it is great that I live on the East Coast because Mm -hmm. we have that melting pot of people. And it's also that the fact that there's a lot of hustle and bustle We have a lot of people from other places, so they have three different hustles to make it work for themselves. And it's not necessarily always because they're creative people, but it's because they have to survive. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Um, So with that said, I feel like it's uh, it's really interesting. And sometimes I take it for granted or don't realize. But when I do travel, um, I do see that people aren't as everyone's not a creative first no. and foremost everyone's not a creative <laughs> no matter what people say like everybody's creative and different no everybody's not creative and um, a lot of people don't think and a lot of people don't have ideas mm-hmm. um, and a lot of people are complacent with doing whatever job it is that they're doing which is totally fine I don't think anybody should look down upon that um, or people who choose to or whether it's a choice or whether it's because they have to be in a nine to five type of position. Um, but I, th- I know that that's not for me. And I'm lucky enough to like have friends and family who support me mm-hmm. and have supported me since I was younger to be able to kind of just explore all the different ideas and my talents and help me hone in on my skills and things like that. So, yeah. And that supportive village that is encouraging you to like just be who you are and pursue your passions is rare. Um, and when you have it, I think it, it is a, a huge factor a factor in helping people to thrive when they are taking what one might consider a non-traditional path. Mm-hmm. Right. And being able to say, no, I can I can do this. And the people behind me are, are supporting me in that and they know that I can do it, too. Um, so but take me back. Let's let's talk about you being a dancer, a tap dancer. Now, most people here tap. They think 
oh, that's, you know, kids. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to put my, my daughter in tap and there's a recital. And then when people, I think, in adulthood hear it, they may think back to, like, stomp or bring in the noise, bring in the right. funk. Like, and that's the, their limited understanding of what it is. So how did you get into it, number one? And then as a, a follow-up to that, when did you decide, like, no, this is, I'm going to make a career out of this and I'm going to do this beyond youth? Yeah, so I started tap dancing when I was, like, a little girl. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom put me in a dance school, so I did ballet, tap, jazz, lyrical, acro, hip hop, you know, mm-hmm. the whole the whole nine. I was about five or six. And um, at 10 years old, according to my mom, because I don't remember mm-hmm. myself back then, but at, at 10 years old, I, I, I was in like this class and it was cool, I guess. But there was another class, like a higher level class that I really wanted to be in with a different teacher at the dance studio that I went to. Shout out to La Dance School of Performing Arts in, in Linden, New Jersey. That's where I grew up at. Um, and I wanted to be in that class. So at that point, I guess I knew that I was really interested in tap. It was fun for me. And I asked the, or I told my mom, I want to be in that class. And if I wasn't able to be in that class, I wasn't going to, I didn't want to take tap anymore. Um, and they asked the director, you know, if I could be in the class, she was kind of like, I don't know if she's ready for that. And my mom told her, you know, well, she said she's going to quit just to let you know. She was like, okay, well, maybe we'll have her try the class. I'm giving you the long story, Mm -hmm. but maybe we'll have her try the class and if the teacher you know says that she's okay then we'll we'll keep her but I can't promise you she can be in the class so I went to one of the the class for one try a trial run and uh she said I could stay and it's been history ever since you know so that was 10 and at 11 I think was the first time that I went outside of the dance studio to get extra training Mm -hmm. so there are things we call dance festivals tap dance festivals so it's not like a music festival where it's a stage and a bunch of people watching performances but it's like intense training for it could be like a three-day weekend it could be a whole week um and it usually ends in a show or something like that but it's like a week's worth of classes. Uh, so when I was 11, that was the first year that I did something like that. So went outside of the school to get extra training. And I did that every year at different places, whether it was in Jersey, D.C., L.A., um, New York, of course. Um, and yeah, I around 16, 16, I started like subbing for teachers mm-hmm. locally at dance studios. And 18, I started like t- teaching. I have my own classes. And um, I'm 28 now. So I've been teaching and choreographing for like 10 years now. And uh, Uh, traveling and doing the same but I never wanted to be a tap dancer really no because like even okay even even though I had support growing up and I was doing dance I was doing sports swimming soccer music you know Mm -hmm. all of that I never was like I want to be a tap dancer because I didn't it was like why would I want to be a tap dancer I should be a lawyer you know, or mm-hmm. I should, what, a tap dancer? Like, who aspires to be a tap dancer? You know, even though it was something that I was enjoying, I was loving um, recreationally and even pre-professionally, because I ended up joining, like, a pre-professional tap company when I was 16. Mm-hmm. But it was still nothing that I just saw myself doing more, okay. right? But, again, it wasn't like I was specifically interested in anything else other than tap and music and things like that. It was just like, no, I can't be a tap dancer. Like, what do I look like telling somebody I'm a tap dancer? <laughs> <laughs> That's how I felt at, mm-hmm. as a young teen, you know. Um, and even though there were people, tap dancers that I looked up to, looked up to when I was in class, I never really saw that much tap. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I know Savion did Happy Feet, and there there are people that are eating off a of tap, but not you don't see it. You know, 
So, yes, behind the scenes when I'm in, in class, sure, I love this tap teacher. I want to be just like them. But it wasn't really something that I saw in my in my future, like actually doing it and making money off of it and and teaching and being like the teacher that I wanted to be that I wanted being the teacher that I had mm-hmm. right to other people and being able to inspire others like she inspired me. I never saw that for myself. Um, as I started to teach and as I started to do more, I was just like, oh, wow, I can do a lot because I feel like I'm creative and I have an eye for certain things and I have ideas where I can expand. But um, yeah, I never really wanted to be a tap dancer. So if I guess it found you as a profession in a career over time. Yeah, yeah, like definitely. It, it sort of grew. But did you get to a point were you doing it, you know, as teaching and stuff, but thinking like, OK, this is not sustainable for the long haul. It's what I want right now. Or did you get to a point where there was a shift where you're like, no, I can eat off this and I can build, a, you know, a, a longstanding career and legacy off this creative, creative piece of who I am? I'll say this. When I was in college, right, I was teaching, mm-hmm. but I was also like I would also have these other jobs where it was on campus or like serving at Applebee's mm-hmm. but I didn't like I didn't enjoy that yeah it was it was easy for me to teach because it's something that I love doing and I enjoyed and then also because it's a novelty in a way I would get paid way more per hour doing that <laughs> right. teaching tap than I would at Applebee's mm-hmm. I don't want to shout out Applebee's right. but no, like no, no disrespect to Applebee's no disrespect, but, just but it just is what it is <laughs> we talking about we talking about hourly wages like two dollars and we're depending on <laughs> right. tips mm-hmm. it's great because it i didn't have any bills you yeah. know i wasn't it was like oh free cash whatever but when you do the math mm-hmm. this is better but not only because i'm getting paid more but because i enjoy doing it it's fun it's not a job it is but it's not really a job mm-hmm. um over time though i will say that i feel like teaching alone is not what I'm meant to be doing mm-hmm. because then it becomes a job, right? You can, it's easy to become stagnant uh, when you're just teaching. And it's great because you get to encounter other kids, different personalities or adults, wh- whoever it is. And you get to also be creative and, and um, share. Uh, but it can get to a point like anything, anything, I'm sure even with rap or any, anybody you look at, eventually they get bored a right. little bit, you know, and I don't care what anybody says, you're going to get bored, right? We have this idea of where we want to be, where we, as we get closer, we're going to want more and more and Absolutely. more. And that's just how it is. So I'm at the point where I realized like a couple of years ago that I want more. I want more than just to teach tap. When I was 18 to early 20s, it was awesome. Mm -hmm. Like, wow, I'm actually teaching tap. Like, this is crazy. But I enjoy doing that. I love it still. But there still has to be a a shift or a way to, what's the word that I'm looking for? I don't want to say spice it up. That's so diversify. Diversify Mm -hmm. it or just to put another fire, right? You have Mm -hmm. to find a way to reinvent yourself or whatever you're doing and make it new. So it's more exciting for you and for other people, of course. So, and that other piece, other people component, I think like people forget about that. Even like, I'll say this, you talk about, you know, rappers, let's take them for example, someone who came out, made a splash, doing something really innovative, um, you know, (laughs) doing their thing. And even if you're not a person that raps, but as a fan, if you ever like listen to something and be like, oh, he phoned that in. Like, it sounds like a throwaway yeah, verse or something like that. I'm like, other people know, like your fans know when you've lost your fire mm-hmm. for whatever it is. And and if they don't, um, they might not be a real fan. But like to me, I think I think it's very evident when that fire has gone out and people are not um, pivoting, as I like to say, or, you know, like you said, 
lighting a fire or spicing it up a bit. So I think if you want to, if you want an audience, what you do requires an audience is necessary <laughs> to yeah, stay um, relevant. I hate, I hate how much we use that word, but yeah, to stay relevant, essentially. It's, and it's tough because I do music too, you know, mm-hmm. and I did, I mean, I started rapping when I was young, but there were like breaks and gaps because I was forced into it. Um, but <laughs> just for the record, but once I hit like 15, it was my choice. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do it. I felt like I could do it, you know, and it was not when I feel like I can do something like you can't really tell me that I can't. And not that anybody ha- did, mm-hmm. but I really felt like, yo, when I was listening to graduate late registration, I'm like, I think I could rap like that, too. Mm-hmm. Like, and I want to, I want to make somebody feel the way that I feel when I'm listening to this music. And I felt like I was witty enough and I could come up with wordplay just like that. Or the other rappers that I heard on the radio, I was like, I think, I think I can hang, you mm-hmm. know? And, um, but it's interesting because when it comes as a creative, right, we're expected to kind of be on the ball all the time right. and you got to keep spitting out fire or, and not just in relation to like being a rapper or a lyricist or a musician, but anything you have to keep people on their toes and keep them happy and show that you're progressing but that's not really how things work mm-hmm. from a as a creative right we have these dry spells or writer's block or self-doubt you know just as the as um technology and the industry shifts you start to think oh, oh can i fit into this right. am i do i look like her like okay i see this pattern you start to observe things a little bit more um and you as you also mature you realize how or you begin to become more Mm self-aware of everything that's going on and it makes you kind of feel like ah do I really want to do this right even though I am creative even though I have something to give even though I may be able may be building a fan base but do I where do I want to go with this Mm -hmm. because there are different lanes you know absolutely there are different lanes and you got to know where you want to go because there are different things that you're going to have to compromise or do to get to certain places absolutely um so it's like observing and being able to restructure but also being able to stay true to yourself and continue to explore yourself and be creative and and, and produce content is tough. It takes time. Absolutely. It takes I, time. I always have respect for those artists who are willing to go away until they come out with something that's worthy mm-hmm. of um, their audience. I, that's why I respect Maxwell so much as an artist. She brought it back. She said Maxwell. Yeah, I thought you were going to say Max B. I was going to say, oh. <laughs> no, we already <laughs> talked about that. Off, uh, off the mic. But <laughs> Maxwell will leave. Like, you don't see him. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, he's not somebody that's turning out an album, you know, every year. But he's going to go in the lab. And when it's the right time, he's going to come. And I respect people who are not driven by just, I need to get something out there to just to stay in the public eye or I just need a check and I'm going to put anything out to get it or I'm going to try to do what's hot on the radio, which is, it makes me chuckle when old head artists do that. Um, (laughs) But you know, Maxwell, he's a, he's a, he's a OG though. Mm -hmm. So, he has his core people that he does. Into, so it's a little different with him, but I understand like mm-hmm. that that comparison. So it, even that is interesting because somebody like boom, B2K is is doing a the millennium a tour. tour. What is it? Uh-oh. Is that what it's called? Yes, I did see that. Oh, <laughs> they coming back out, but so they're not even OGs. Really. Mm-hmm. I mean, boy band, yeah, maybe, but um, nah, not really, not really, not really. I'm sorry, they're not. 
but they like that next wave. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but somebody like Maxwell or somebody like Jay-Z or uh, just people who were kind of there in the beginning stages of that type of genre. Mm-hmm. Like it's a little different for they them. They solidified yeah, themselves. Yeah, they got yes. their respect. So no matter who comes after, like that's Maxwell. Mm-hmm. He could come out with an album in 10 years and and you know, his fans or whoever appreciates his music, they'll be there. I will. That's for sure. Right. He's like, <laughs> I will be there. <laughs> um, but for, for artists like myself or for people who are kind of trying to find their way mm-hmm. today um, or who have been trying to find their way, I guess, in the past five years, it could be even 10 years ago. Um Things have things have changed. They are, changing. We are in the, we're in the digital age, and Demarcus and I talk about this all the time. Um, you know, if if you've been out of the, the public eye on the internet for two weeks, oh it's yeah, like you don't exist anymore. Oh yeah, it's over. But how do you balance that um, as an artist or a person just with artistic integrity who doesn't want to just appear and put things out there for the sake of uh, staying connected or or what have you? How do you balance that? So let's take um, rapping. Let's, yeah. let's use that. If, if you're not saying, all right, I got to put out more, I got to drop another mixtape, I got to do X, Y, and Z. How do you reconcile that within yourself to stay, to stay present with right. your audience? It's tough. I mean, luckily for me, I've been able to, so I'll, I'll just bring it back. Mm-hmm. So um, I dropped a project called Masturbate. It's M-A-S-T-E-R-B-A-I-T. Uh, so check that out if you'd like. Um, in 2014, dropped it on Halloween 2014. That was my first project that I shared with people. I was rapping since I was like 15 and producing since mm-hmm. I was 15. Um, but in the comfort of my own home I did like up the Apollo or like little shows here and there but I wasn't I was the type of girl where I just thought that somebody was gonna find me in the mall walking with my dad like yo you rap do you, you rap and they'd be like spit something and I'll be like uh-uh. you know so it was it was a very bow wow type of like just it, it vision mm-hmm. right like oh somebody's gonna find me in a mall like JD did all these people in that mall in Atlanta and that didn't happen you know what I mean but at the same time I was I wasn't I was confident that I had what it took but I wasn't ready like I wasn't I didn't break out of my shell. So it took me a while and I decided um, that I was going to drop a project. Came out 2014, masturbate, just uploaded it on SoundCloud and it moved. Mm-hmm. Like it just, people just started sharing it on Instagram and... I don't know. And it was something that I, with the creative direction that I did, the conceptual stuff, the visuals, like this is what I expected. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, I was like, ooh, okay, pressure now. There's pressure. And, but it was pressure for myself. Sure. That I put on myself. Right. Um, So, since then I haven't dropped any projects mm-hmm. so it's been four years now and in that space and time I've been uninspired um, I felt like I wasn't sure what I wanted my next project to sound like because I hear what this I see, I hear how the music is shifting and what's getting play whether mm-hmm. it's on radio or not like I just hear there's certain things that you hear whether you like it or not um, and I was like hmm, who, who, who is Asha like who do I want to be am I the girl next door do I want to compromise my sound because I could rap over anything Mm -hmm. but do I really want what do I want you know and I it it took four years for me to have to think about what I wanted and in that time me not dropping music I've worked with other people like overseas and things like that but my own project I haven't um released anything but in that time you know you do lose steam Mm -hmm. you do feel like ah damn 
well, this is the same thing that happened when I was 17 and I started making YouTube videos and I stopped, you know? So it's like, oh man, I wanted this. And it made me wonder, do I want this? Mm -hmm. Because I'm not being consistent, but I'm going through this dry spell or like trying to figure out who I am. What do I want to be? What I want to sound like? How do I want people to perceive me and receive me as an artist? Do I want to tie in the dance thing? Like, is that too gimmicky? Is that corny? Because there's a thin line between creative and corny. Right. And I'm just like, just a whole bunch of questions that stop me from just creating Mm -hmm. and being who I am. And that's exactly what got me the attention from the project was just doing what I felt like was fine. But I let all of the attention, right, the good attention that I expected, that I worked hard for to to get in the way of what I wanted, Mm -hmm. what I thought I wanted. So I'll say to when it comes to not being consistent and not putting things out, luckily for me, I do have other avenues where I'm creative, right? I do like art direction and creative direction. I'm a tap dancer. So I've, I've worked with other people, um, on different projects like choreographing. I worked with Esperanza Spalding, mm-hmm. which was really great. And the, uh, director, uh, Calmatic Chuck, it's, it's, I, I just was able to manifest a few things, um, in that time frame. So it, it kept me, it, it looked like I was moving and I am moving, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not taking a, anything away from that because slow motion is better than no motion absolutely but i know that i would be in a different place if i continued to be consistent regardless of even even if i stuck to what i did what i wanted to do or stayed with the same sound or even if i did compromise and you know kind of infiltrate like the trap type of Mm -hmm. sound either way it would have i would have been uh, building, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it's the same thing. When I was younger, I used to do like little YouTube videos and everything. When I was like seventeen, and I stopped that for maybe college, you know. But again, if I think back, I could say like, oh man, if I kept going, I would be in a different place. But at the same time, sometimes it takes time to self-reflect and actually rearrange things and put things in order for yourself so you can move forward in the right direction. Absolutely. Um, because a lot of people do continue to move and then they get to a point where they're like, this was never what I wanted to do. And now I'm at this point where I'm really not feeling it. So I'd rather work towards moving in a direction that I feel like is better for me, where I'll have more longevity than just compromise, just do something because it's hot right now. Um, But don't get it twisted. Like I can rap over a trap beat. Like it's not really that hard Mm -hmm. um, to to do that. Uh, So, yeah. I hope I touched on what you asked me. And and here's the thing. Like, I personally feel like um, because, you know, it's funny. So much time we spend on this podcast, people have no idea some of the other creative passions that I have. Mm -hmm. You know, five years from now, we're like, we're going to do X, Y and Z. Um, But I I have had that same sort of dilemma at times. Oh, you rap. Oh, no, I don't. rap. Um, But huge music head. Okay. Different way. Songwriting and all that great stuff. Right. So I've had that thought, too. We're like, well, I wanted to do X, Y and Z. And, you know, I was doing this. And now I'm not. Um, But what I always find uh, solace in is the fact that I'm creating in different ways and I'm putting things out there. And all that is a contributing to the audience that may be ready to receive that work at a different time. But also outside of that, the connections that I'm making along the way and the other things like you don't you don't know how those things are necessary, how they might be crucial to the next step Mm -hmm. of your journey of whatever's on the back burner. Um, So I I try to live my life in this state of like everything is happening as it should. And um, even my errors are correct. And what I mean by that um, is shout out 
out to Nick, Nikki Giovanni, first of all. But um, what I mean by that is everything is always working for your good. Yeah. Even when you have, you have taken a moment back or you've been uninspired or <clears> things <throat> are not popping in the way that you thought, somehow it just all comes together. It does. At the time, you know, it's supposed to. And I mean, I just want to be clear, like the work that you've done while you've been on a hiatus from your rap career, it's like nothing to sneeze at. I mean, Esperanza Spalding. Is a she's, the real deal, she's, right? She's, she's um, the realest yeah, real deal. deal. She's the and realest deal. <laughs> you've worked with some other names like Hillary Swank, Solange Knowles, Steve and Jason Har- uh, Harvey, Pharrell Williams and Billionaire Boys Club. How did you get into this celeb world um, and start to get opportunities uh, to further your career and work? Um, it's all about who I knew. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or who knew... Who, it's funny because I watched, I think it was a YouTube video because I'm a big YouTube rabbit hole head. But um, who I knew and who knew me, you know, and who knows me for what they know me for. Mm-hmm. So um, Esperanza, that was just like I, I linked up with the director who directed the um, video just on Instagram. Like I hit him up. I'm a fan of his work. He does a lot of music videos. Um, and I hit him up maybe like October, the a year after I dropped my project. I just DMs him and I was like, yo, I'm a big fan of your work. Um, if you're ever in town uh, on the East Coast, because he's from L.A., if you're ever in town, like I would love to work with you. Like mm-hmm. even if I got to hold up the lights and, uh, <laughs> right, be and a whatever, production assistant. you know, exactly. Um, and he responded and he was like, yo, I've been a fan of your cover from the, for the longest. So it's not even my music. I don't know if he heard my music, mm-hmm. but he saw the artwork of the cover because I did the creative direction for my album and or mix. I call it a mixtape. But um, so that's how that came about. Then so. I'm sorry that's not how that happened but that was the first interaction and it's funny because I told my boy I was like yo I want to work with him I want him to shoot one of my videos at some point in my life and that was in October and May he posted something saying that he was coming out here this way and I responded to it and then um it was like all right dope and then he hit me up like yo you dance I was like yeah I'm thinking he like tap dance, but he needed a choreographer for the video. Mm-hmm. And that's how that worked, you wow. know? So I got to work with him, mm-hmm. which was like awesome. But um, I also got to work with one of the best jazz musicians of our time, you Absolutely. know? So, and she's such a sweetheart and she's amazing. So that was a great experience. Um, The Solange thing, I forget how that happened, but that was like a, a posting somebody sent me of an opportunity. She was looking for some background dancers for her show she was doing a uh at the guggenheim it was the o2 um this is horrible i'm forgetting the name o2 i forget what it's called but basically for her a seat at the table Mm -hmm. she was doing a performance in the guggenheim um in a collaboration with red bull music festival um so I just went and I wasn't sure if it was she was going to be there. I didn't know if it was what, what what it really was. And I went and I was like, oh, OK. So it was a group of black women. And uh, we did some I wouldn't say interpretive dance, but uh, some abstract movement dance uh, along with her and her bands for her performance there. Um, who else? So Hillary, the Hillary Swank thing, I was able to edit music for her. Uh, she just got married this summer. So one of my mentors and the director of this uh, tap company that I dance with called Department 33. Um, she's out in LA. She's by Coastal. Her name is Chloe Arnold. Um, so she's probably the most, she's probably the most influential tap dancer when it comes to 
you know, how she's been able to use her platform, um, like social media and things mm-hmm. like that, to bring awareness to tap dance and all her talents uh, of this time, period. If you go on Instagram, nobody really has a, more of a pull than her. And um, so she's been doing her thing, her and her sister, uh, Maud, and she just hit me up. She knows I do music, so I do a lot of projects with her. Um, and she hit me up while I was out in L.A. and she was like, hey, what are you doing today? It's <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm going to work a little bit and I don't really have plans. And she was like, OK, well well, this is what I'm doing. I need you to do this. So went over to the rehearsal and was able to edit the music for them. So it was a little bit uh, or a little bit more, more of like a beat behind it because mm-hmm. um, they're not tap dancers, but they really appreciate tap. So she choreographed a tap dance for them for their, a duet for them for their wedding. So that and then um, the Billionaire Boys Club uh, situation, that was a photo shoot. So I was able to model for for their line. And again, it was this his kid from Detroit. Shout out to Samuel Trotter. He's an f- awesome photographer, really young. Um, he was about 17 when we met. He just, I think he saw my, the project, the mixtape masturbate. And, uh, he hit me up one day and wanted to shoot just regular. He was going to be out, out, uh, in New York. And I was like, okay, sure. I looked at his work. Amazing. Um, and then he hit me back and he was like, oh yeah. So do you mind modeling for a billionaire boys club? And I'm like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, what kind of question is that? So, yeah, we just linked up and we shot. Um, he was doing a lot of shoots for some brands and we did that. So everything has literally just come from me putting something out into the universe. Mm-hmm. Right. A music project, something that I wanted to do, something that I've always felt like I should be pursuing. And for me, even in the span where I wasn't putting out music per se, that the fact that these opportunities fell into my lap or that, or whether you want to look at it as me creating them by putting something out there, um, that's what happens mm-hmm. when you create, you know, people Absolutely. see you, people, people like it, people don't like it, but regardless, you're going to get back what you put out at some point in time, you know, even if it's, you put out work that's not up to par, people sometimes see the the potential, even if something's not perfect, you, like a prototype you know what exactly. I mean exactly and I can go back to the project and pick it apart like every artist does every artist is going to pick apart even their best work you know but it doesn't matter I know I know that it was worth that it's worth something I know that it's classic material lyrically um and I'm happy that I did it for mm-hmm. sure because I was kind of like eh. <laughs> I don't know but it just goes to show how easy it is now in today's age and even probably before how to make connections. Uh, but it's even easier when you have something to show for yourself. It was really hard for me to find like producers. I wanted it to be like super buffed up. Of course. And, you know, but they're like, OK, let me hear some of your work. And I'm like this. I'm trying to make the work right now. Like that's, <laughs> that's what you're, why I came to right. you. <laughs> but it's tough. It's hard. Like I'm like, uh, I can show you this this video on Facebook of me rapping in my with my covers over. it. You know, I can show you that, but that's not going to move you. Mm-hmm. Maybe it will, but I don't feel like it's going to move you. So that's tough. So that's another lesson that I learned is that sometimes you just have to create mm-hmm. and put your best foot forward and put it out there and move forward. Yeah, and I, and I feel like the people that you're meant to work with, mm-hmm. especially those who are like stars in their whatever their chosen field field is, they see the it factor. They'll see it. They'll look past all the flaws and deficiencies and what's missing to say there's something there. Right. And we can develop that and expand uh, or expound upon it. So uh, people who I think a lot of 26ers, the kind of people who listen to this show are perfectionists and we want everything just so. And also, too, what I have had to 
learn to accept is your vision for whatever your creative pursuit is, is always like five years ahead. Oh, so yeah. you know what you want and what you want requires a production budget that's oh, probably yeah. a lot larger than oh, what yeah. you have. <laughs> um, so one of the things that uh, me, me and one of my best friends talk about all the time, she's similar, <coughs> Sorry, is your vision, right? You know what you want it to be. Like you said, you want it to be buffed up with all this stuff. And it may not be that now, but what you end up putting out for you, you feel like this is not my you know, level 10, right. Five mics, whatever project. But to the person who doesn't know what the big vision is, they're like, this is six dope. mics, yeah. fire, flame, flame, yeah. flame. Right. Exactly. So I think we, you know, we're always, um, one or two or two <clears throat> steps ahead with what we see in our minds, but starting somewhere, the, the public, you know, the response that you may get will maybe overwhelming before you even get to that point. Oh, definitely. You know, I have these grand, grandiose ideas mm-hmm. for videos and things, not even for myself, but just for other people. And it's just like, all right. When I tell my friends, I'm like, all right, this is what I need, you know? And I'm like, all right, there's going to be three robots in the back. (laughs) And then I'm like, well, you guys, I know that that's what I'm saying that I want, but I know that I can't have Mm -hmm. that right now. So, but let's get the robots. You know, like, yeah, let's let's, get one robot. Yeah. Let's make it as close or let's make, you're going to be the robot, (laughs) you know? Or, um, yeah. So I, I've, it's all been like a really great learning experience for me. Um, even shooting like my first video where, I'm not a I'm not a cinematographer. I'm not a mm-hmm. filmmaker, but I appreciate I'm an artist. So I watch these things. I feel like I have visions, too. But, you know, I'm not I'm not a filmmaker. So mm-hmm. certain things, the way that I want the I see the story happening. My friend was like, I know what you see. It's not going to look like that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it's just like, dang. OK, right. OK. So how much do I have to compromise? And then it becomes something different. A mm-hmm. project that you just like, OK, this ain't what I wanted it's or not what, what I had in mind. Not what I I had in mind but either way it's still great work and mm-hmm. it, it taught me um I've collaborated a lot before right I went to a dance school I've I've I went to school and <laughs> group projects and things like that but those are all forced right when you have a project that you want to work on and you have to collaborate um with other creatives and other people who are skilled it's tough sometimes too so that was also a learning experience because sometimes you have to compromise um just to get a product, you know, something that's able to be seen, able to be presented um, and just able to be created. Right. So. Uh, so, yeah, it's 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 been a learning experience. There's a lot more to learn, but I've observed a lot and I've learned a lot about myself and my downfalls, my weaknesses and my strong points and why people appreciate me and what I do and why I appreciate other people. So. It's humbling. For sure. One of the things that you mentioned um, is that Chloe Arnold is probably the foremost female tap dancer, you know, online and out there in the world. It's it's funny because before this interview, I'll admit it, somebody said to me, who do you know in tap? Like, who do you know that's just like a premier uh, performer and, and tap dancer, especially amongst black folks? Immediately, the first two names, I would say Gregory Hines mm-hmm. and Savion Glover. It would not be a woman. Right, right, right. Period. Um, why do you think that is? There seems like it, it's there's an inequity as it relates to female and male performers in this space. Where does that come from? So I think it goes back to history. Historically, men have been the founders of tap dance, right? Uh, we have William Henry Lane, Master Juba, Bill Bojangles Robinson. There are a bunch of men. Even if you fast forward, we have Gregory Hines, Savion mm-hmm. Glover. Um, and not to say that there weren't women who were tap dancing at that time. Um, but at that time there were just more men and you just saw them on TV. 
you know, nowadays you had like Shirley Temple, you had, um, what's her name? Like Eleanor Powell, you had, uh, Ginger Rogers, white women, mm-hmm. you know, but there were women, but there were more men, you know, and I don't necessarily think it's a good or bad thing. It just is. But we can't forget that there are some women that are hitting like Dormisha Summary Edwards. She's the God, mm-hmm. you know, of the tap game, in my opinion. And um, you have other people like Chloe Arnold. There's Michelle Dorrance, Ayodele. Uh, there are so many different women. But again, regardless, you still named, you thought about Savion and Greg. Yes. Right. There are so many other men. Mm-hmm. Also, Jason Samuel Smith, Jared Grimes, Maurice Chestnut. Um, so many different men who are who are doing it now mm-hmm. and have been doing it for a long time. But Derek Grant, who are pushing who's pushing the culture forward. So it's it's just one of those things when it comes down to it. It's just exposure. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't see tap dance in movies anymore. You don't see tap dance in on you see it on Broadway, but it's it's Broadway style tap. You don't see bringing the noise, bringing the funk type of vibes anymore. But that's like Maurice Chestnut. He has a project that he's been working on called Beats, Rhymes and Tap Shoes. And I'm also a part of that that group that dances with him for that show. And what we do is we have a whole set uh, to uh, music to a Tribe Called Quest. Wow. Their music. So it's just a band, live band, and they we rock out to that. And it's his choreography. It's a whole show. And that's something that's super fresh and funky. And I think people would be able to relate to, you know, re- regardless of the age, mm-hmm. tap dance is just ageless. It's classic. People love it, but they don't see it. So they love it. And they're like, oh, yeah, you tap dance. I love tap dance. But they don't Couldn't remember. tell you where to find the yeah, show. Yeah, the last yeah. time they saw Tap Dance was Savion on Sesame Street or mm-hmm. like Gregory Hines. And these are not bad references, but there's so much more. Just imagine if someone was like, oh, yeah, you you got a car. Oh, you got a like one of those old Fords, rickety rackety Fords. Maybe that's not the best example. Right. But there's so much that has evolved since then. Yeah, there's so much, but people have no clue. No clue. So, like, Chloe's really using her platform. Chloe and Marta are really using their platform online to to expose people to tap dance. And then, you know, they have a specific style, and every the great thing about tap, like music, is because it is music. It's music and dance. Um, but everyone has their own style, and you can gravitate towards anybody's style that you want. Um, but being able to be exposed to something to begin with, and then becoming interested and then being able to dig in and say like oh man look at this tap dance over here this Mm -hmm. person this person they're they're different I like this person I want to go take their class or like I like this person's style that's the beauty of it you know um so I think it's social media is definitely helping Mm -hmm. um us get more shine or more exposure for people I don't think anyone is necessarily looking for a tap dance but I also don't know But I think being able to create content that shows tap dance, especially contemporary tap dance, is going to help people see what's going on and bring it's like on the upswing right now for sure you know so um even what i'm doing now with my projects and things like that i'm looking forward to starting a company where i can present my choreography um and then also blending tap with my music when it comes to the production so using tap as percussion right because that's what it is we're like drummers you know in a way we can't play notes like uh, uh, keyboardists or anything like that but it's all percussion um and we can make some really cool rhythms and it can all be tweaked. And so I'm blending both of those worlds together. That's how I've been able to kind of move forward and and um, take that step and reinvent myself in a way that I feel like isn't corny. And um, 
And yeah, I think I think people are exploring more. And I think I know for a fact people are seeing tap dance more. So you will definitely see tap dance way more in media, even if it's just on social media. But for sure, you'll you'll see a lot if and, you haven't already. Yeah. In the days of like we live in the time of going viral and people go viral for all types of reasons, especially if you are marrying art forms. So just yeah. this whole idea of like tapping to a tribe called Quest, that in and of itself, I think if people are not familiar, are like, but that's intriguing. That's mm-hmm. interesting. So the beauty of the digital age, I mean, it's just opening people up to things and art forms that they may not have known before. And I, I agree, even though it's not my area of expertise, that like, yeah, this is probably going to become more prolific um and pervasive i should say not prolific over time yeah no for sure for sure i think i believe it just because i'm also a part of it i mm-hmm. feel like i'm a part of that um that push and that movement and i want it to happen um and i see it happening for other people too which i think is great so sure for sure everybody loves tap. who doesn't love tap dance know, exactly. like come on now so and i want to like speak to make sure i get this in because i think we love rhythm when i say we i mean black folks right you know (laughs) us for sure um and but tap is woven into the fabric of american culture and Mm -hmm. people don't know that it has african roots oh can you talk about that a little bit i mean anything with the beat comes from africa Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so the history what i like to tell my students the first thing i do is ask them like what is tap dance um and i can't give you like a textbook answer either Mm -hmm. but tap dance is is absolutely rhythm it's absolutely african it's an african-american art form you know it came from us so what happened back when they had slaves you know slaves used to communicate then with their mouths of course by speaking then they used to of course threaten them so they began to communicate by making rhythms um body percussion and things like that or with their drum i'm sorry with the drums Mm -hmm. um take away the drums what's left your body so that history and that progression is the core of tap dance you know and of course we all came from africa so those rhythms have also come along with us too um i think it's interesting because more most black people have more rhythm than other people just naturally Mm -hmm. um that's something that i've noticed from teaching uh it's not that other people don't have rhythm but it is something that is just in us and everybody everybody who's black can't dance either (laughs) you know i noticed that too not all of us but generally it's innate for a lot of us it's innate for a lot of us and this also has to do with a lot of the music that we listen to growing up so uh jazz has also really strong connections to jazz i mean i'm sorry tap has strong connections to jazz music um and a lot of people don't know that or maybe a lot of people do and when they think about tap dance they think about jazz music it just depends on what you've been exposed to but um yeah it's it's all about rhythm percussion um syncopation that's tap Mm -hmm. and expression you know it's an expressive dance style um that's where it started just like any other dance style (laughs) starts kind of on the streets or with peers Mm -hmm. or with people um where you're just expressing yourself and me personally i feel like there would be no tap dance or hip-hop or anything like that without a struggle without oppression because that's when people become creative and they Absolutely. have something to to let out that's where we get soul music and blues and jazz and tap and hip hop all of that comes from a struggle um from people so i think when you when you really think about it it's easy to see the connections between you know way back when when we were taken from Africa to way back when we were down south before we migrated up north and how things have changed and uh, how we've been able to be creative even in our worst times. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
yeah, I think that's a beautiful thing about it all. But awesome. Life is about rhythm, though, too. So, you know, we all got that heartbeat. So that's where it starts first. For sure. Um, and, and one of the people who is involved in TAP in the community here in New York uh, referred you to the show. Shout out to Victor Perkins. Shout out to Victor Perkins. Woo. <laughs> What's up, Vic? Marcus just got so loud in the background. Um, but yeah, so Victor's working with Tap Takeover Harlem and they're doing some amazing things. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, uh, Tap Table. So so I met Victor mm-hmm. um, while we were working on, while Apartment 33, Chloe's company, was working on a show in mm-hmm. Harlem. And um, oh man, he was hands on. I've, I've never met anybody that was like, that was also black, who was just like, yo, this is gold. <laughs> you know, like he was, re- he was really fending for us. He put out so much time and energy into the project and just into tap dance as a culture. He's also... Um, um, helped with the Tap fa- Family Reunion, which mm-hmm. the first year that they did that was uh, this past spring that just passed. But I know that Victor's collected shoes, that he's uh, facilitating programs for kids up in Harlem and just in New York, period, um, to help expose them and show them what tap dance is and hopefully get them interested. So he's he's somebody that I, I feel like is also going to be a also is not going to be, but is going to is going is a great help for the culture right awesome. now. Awesome. We we Vic is definitely a friend of the show and we are happy that he connected us with you. Beauty of New York, man. That that network. Yo, everybody yeah. knows everybody. Basically, once you went yeah, the world's getting smaller and smaller. It's yes. big. But absolutely. So shifting gears a little bit, uh tell us about a time when you had to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Mm, good question. I'm going to take a second to think. Mm. Go for it. There were two that I had in mind, but Okay, so as an artist, both a dancer and a creative, sometimes I feel like I don't want to do certain things. Um, Maybe it's because it's far out of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And I've realized that that type of self-doubt, even though it's natural, right, certain things are just not going to be for you. Um, But other times it is for you and you're just, there's just that little bit of fear that you haven't pricked off, you know, yet. Yeah, we've all been there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, those type of moments, I have to really kind of talk myself or ask myself why I don't want to do this and step up to the plate and be an adult and do it. You know, of course, if it's totally against my morals or values, totally no. But most of the times when I have these like back and forth, like questionable uh, moments, it's because I'm not comfortable. And what I learned is that comfort doesn't really get you anywhere. It keeps you complacent. Um, But being able to step up to the plate and step out of your comfort zone and do something and enjoy it and not overthink it and overanalyze and connect dots that aren't even there um, can really set you back. So there have been many little times through this journey of being a creative and an artist, whether it's performing artist or recording artist, where I've had those moments where I'm like, hmm. I don't know if this if I'm the one that they really want for this position, um, but I'm going to step up and do it anyway. So, yeah, it's not any specific time because there's been a lot of different times. Of course. Um, but it's something that I have noticed and I've learned to kind of talk myself through it and ask myself, why 
what's really driving me to run away from this opportunity uh, to create or be creative with other people. Or maybe be stretched exactly. Mm -hmm. And usually it's I'm the only one that's kind of down on myself Mm -hmm. at that point. Um, Of course, there are things that I've learned as I'm getting to know myself and as I sit into who I am that I'm like, this isn't for me. You know, regardless, I just know that that's not I'm not going to look good doing that. (laughs) It's not going to reflect well on the project. I want to be able to if I'm going to collaborate, if I'm going to be a part of somebody else's project, for example, I want to be able to do what you need me to do and present which what I feel like I understand that you want to present how you want the product to look and if I feel like I can't do that I'm not gonna do it just for the opportunity mm-hmm. I'm gonna be honest with you and try to communicate and then ask myself okay well is this something that I could is there something in my life that I can do better to actually take advantage of an opportunity opportunity like that or do I just not want to those type of opportunities Mm -hmm. you know so it's a learning process but I am super duper honest with myself I try to be really honest with myself when I have those moments of of self-doubt or like ah okay here's another I don't want to say a a roadblock but this is another level where I'm getting to do something that I'm like "Ah, I never did this before I don't know if I can really deliver Mm -hmm. um but stepping up to the plate and actually delivering it lets off a huge huge weight off of my shoulders and it makes me feel like ah that wasn't that bad you know I had it in me all along yeah (laughs) yeah or it's not that deep sometimes it's just not that deep and it's funny because as a musician you know sometimes we do over overthink what we do and whether it's good enough or bad enough and then I remember one time my mom said it's just music you know it's just music at the end of the day so sometimes you just got to take a step back and just realize it's just whatever it is it's just art it's just music it's supposed to be fun it's supposed to be an experience and you move on Mm -hmm. so yeah that those times are when I feel like they're ordinary days but I have to really step up and um be extraordinary. And even when I have those moments of self-doubt, um, whether it's because I'm putting something out, when I when it's time to teach the kids that I teach or the youth or the adults, they don't look at me like that. Everything I do is dope to them. Mm-hmm. You know, everything I do is dope. So um, that's another moment or several moments where I feel like I have to be extraordinary, right. you know, for them. Because I know that I, I know how I felt to look up to people. Um, and I know that they're looking up to me like that. Maybe not everybody, but there's a possibility that I can be influencing people the same way I was influenced by a lot of uh, people that I looked up to when I was younger. So making that connection makes me really feel like, you know, what, it's bigger than me. Mm-hmm. It's not just about me and my insecurities here and there because we all have them. We all have them. But it's about fighting past it, having those moments and letting those moments pass and not letting those moments be too long where you miss the actual opportunity at hand. Right. You know? But it's not it's not it's natural to kind of feel like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. But it's what you do after that that really matters. For sure. Sense, so. You mentioned fear, um, which I want to talk about in a different context, okay. because you are a full blown entrepreneur in the arts, entrepreneur. And that's not a safe path in you know, society's eyes. I know plenty of people who want to be that, right. but they feel it's risky. You know, there's a lot of rejection possible financial instability, mm-hmm. you know, all of those things. And they just don't, they'll tell you, I don't want to be a starving artist. Um, have you had a moment on this journey where you were like, I don't know, I'm gonna pay these bills. Like, you know, have you had these moments where you're just like, okay, it was working. Now things are getting a little light. Right. And what am I going to do? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even this year, 
so last year was the first year that I was only doing music and dance. Mm-hmm. Um, every year before that, I had something else, you know. But all the time, I I know for a fact just because of who I am, regardless of how the industry works, I know for a fact that what I want to do is way bigger than just music and dance. These are things that I want to pers- that I'm pursuing. These are stepping stones for me to also branch out and do other things, like get into tech and and just move in different directions, like a lot of other musicians, right? A lot of them have investments in other things that have nothing to do with music. Right. Um, so that's already my plan. Like I know that I cannot or I don't want to just live off of music and dance. And that's just me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, all the time. Like it's funny because when you get certain opportunities and it may be with a big name here, a big name there, a lot of the times it, the, it, you're not getting paid or the, the money pay is doesn't little. match. I'm yeah. glad you said that. Because yeah. people think if automatically you're aligned with this person that you're about to get this major check. And that is not always no, the case. No, it's not the case at all. So of course you can build your resume and then when it's time for you to create your own company or create your own um, stream of income, that your experience and, of course, the perception matters, mm-hmm. regardless of whether people believe it or not. It matters. So if you see certain names or you see the the, the track record, then people are going to be more likely to book you and then they have the bag for you. Right. Um, or you could create the bag yourself. You know, you could put on your own shows. You could do your own tours. You could sell merch. You can do this. You can do that. You can start a nonprofit and get funding and then do that. You know, there's so many different routes but it all still takes a lot of time and it's hard mm-hmm. and if you don't have a team together it's going to be even harder if you don't know anybody it's going to be even harder so it's not saying that it can't be done but it's going to take a lot of time and in the process you have to eat right. if you're going like, lights man the light bills yeah, like paid. you have to eat because you're a human mm-hmm. and it costs and it's constantly going up and down then commuting there's so many things that tie into chasing the bag or chasing the opportunity or chasing the uh whatever it is right because a lot of times we we do things not because it's paid but because it's it's still adding mm-hmm. stones to the staircase that you want that you want to climb up right so i'm not saying that you shouldn't do these things because they're not paid. Some things you shouldn't do because they're not paid, though. You know, it's okay to be choosy, but it definitely gets hard. And I think I don't there's not one artist that I know, even if they're getting money, that they don't want more. You know what I mean? Everybody's still always trying to do more and get more. Um, And that doesn't mean that money is the the prime reason for their drive, but you want to continue to create and you want to be able to build and having capital without not having to ask anybody for Mm -hmm. capital is easy. Um, And one way to do that is you got to build, you got to stack, you got to save. And in order to do that, you have to get paid. You know, so it's it's definitely tough. Um, luckily for me, you know, I've been able to stay home for a while and that's mm-hmm. a sacrifice that I made. I think a lot of people kind of look down on that. But in other other cultures like Asian culture, you know, they stay home till they're ready to start a family. Right. And only black, not I don't want to say only black people, but a, a lot of the black community sometimes I feel like um, shuns that, you know, like it's almost like we want to prove that we are. Not everybody. Right. But sometimes you want to prove that you're self-sufficient or that you can do this and do that. And that's great. But you're living check to check. And that's that's fine. 
I don't want to live like that though. Yes, I understand. And that's my personal preference. I don't want to live like that. But taking a knock or t- making a sacrifice where it's like, all right, I don't have my own personal space altogether, but I'm able to save when I do, you know, make money and, and build as I'm building. So when it's time for me to move out or when it's time to, for me to make this other move, I can do that comfortably, you Absolutely. know, or invest in something else. But everybody everybody has their own their own uh, lane and their own journey. Journey. And some people get get a fire from moving out and being stuck and having to make a way. Um, and that's cool. I think whatever whatever is driving you, whatever your intuition, your gut is telling you to do, go for it. Um, and hopefully, if you're if you're lucky enough uh, to have a, a family to go back to, if things mm-hmm. don't work out, then you go back. There's nothing wrong with that, you know. And um, yeah, that's how I feel. It's it's definitely tough. I think people people see something and they're like, "Oh, she rich," or like, "Oh, <laughs> one she, Instagram photo." They're yeah, like, like oh, she made it. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I don't even like. I don't even post a picture with uh, just the people that I meet and I've mm-hmm. come in contact with. Like, I go back and I'm like, "Why am I posting this? I'm posting this because I want you to see that I'm with this person." Mm-hmm. Why do I want you to see that I'm with this person? Because I want you to I want you to feel like I'm making moves. Am I really making like <laughs> I swear I have the same dialogue. I'm, I'm glad you you feel me on that. Yeah. You know, most people are like, you do all these things. You never post about it because I'm going through that same internal conversation. Like what what is the purpose of putting this out there? And as you to take it back to what you were saying earlier in the conversation, it feels like something you have to do because of the day and age that we live in. And it gives you legitimacy um, because I know when we do these episodes or we, we get a new prospective guest or somebody wants to get involved in some way, the first thing they say is, Oh, I looked you guys up online. You're doing it. I, I know some of the people that have been on the show mm-hmm. or what have you. So it's a necessary evil it is. to open certain doors. But it, it's I, I have that same story. If you're not a person who wants everything on Front Street, it, it's it's a hard to hard. This social media age is a hard world to live in. It's tough. It's mm-hmm. tough because again, it's as an artist, this is social media is like the stage. Like this is your resume, mm-hmm. you know? And that's also a challenge for me where I'm like, okay, Asha the artist versus Asha the person. And I have to separate that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I kind of want to be both. I want them to be the same person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to separate it. Sure. If I really want to maximize the, the platform, like Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever the case may be. And that's one of the things that I feel like I need help with, being able to literally sep- separate myself and things that I want to do personally from things that Asha should be doing as the artist. Sure. Because if I was signed, it wouldn't be a question. Mm-hmm. Go take that picture picture with Pharrell we won't post it <laughs> exactly you know what I mean like and that's how it is and I don't I don't knock people who do it because again perception is everything so if I post the pictures of everybody that I've ever met that I've come in contact with whether I've worked with them whether I've had a, a fruitful conversation with them um whether they're family members like you know maybe I will have more op- opportunities mm-hmm. not that I'm lacking but we always want more but that's when people start to be like oh okay she's she's with this person that person she must be moving but but then mm-hmm. you start to attract people who 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 if you weren't <laughs> yeah then you wouldn't be trying to holler at me and That's it's when not you get the hey big head uh, okay DMs, you know? you're okay <laughs> like hey you want a roommate no <laughs> 
<laughs> like, where, where is this coming from? True story. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's interesting. But I'm still in that space where I'm trying to battle that. Like, mm-hmm. who? How do I maximize this? How do I? How do I be myself? Do I want to be transparent and tell everybody everything? Like, no. It's a dance. It's a balance to to mm-hmm. to find, and it's not an easy one, right? To figure out. Um, but looking ahead, tell us about what's on the horizon for you. I know you're working with Maurice Chestnut, so give us some details on that and what else you have going forward. Yeah, so that that's the Beats and Rhymes and mm-hmm. Taps Tap Shoes uh, show where we dance to uh, a tribe called Quest mm-hmm. and there are a lot of songs from their catalog, which is really cool because I feel like it blends, um, you know, kind of the the more classic hip hop mm-hmm. with contemporary tap, and it's it's the perfect blend because kids can relate to it, right? And not necessarily the music. The music is still hip hop, so they're gonna like it. But we're young and we're tapping dancing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so look out for that. That we have a couple uh, shows at NJ Pack, I believe. Um, I think they're private shows though. In the spring um, but we're also trying to take that into bigger theaters and bigger spaces like we did the Apollo last last year which was really fun um, other than that I'm still working with Apartment 33 which is Chloe Arno's company that she directs um, for myself my own personal projects I'm, I'm working on Tap Water Dance Company which is still becoming what it will be great um, name though thank you <laughs> hey Tap Water <laughs> ba-boom alright and um, so that's that so look out for that you can follow Tap Water Dance Co um, um, on Instagram. There's nothing, not much up there yet, but there will be a lot of content coming soon. And other than that, I'm working on music, new music, releasing, uh, releasing some content. I'm trying to stay consistent because like I mentioned before, that's one of the, the things that I've realized I haven't been. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I just dropped like a little teaser of some some of the shows that I did in Paris out there. I'll be doing dropping snippets of songs with visuals so one minute visual clips on instagram starting this month which i'm really excited about because this is my first time kind of being like all right here goes Mm -hmm. here go here go here go more bait more bait more bait (laughs) let's go and then um i'll be dropping another ep called mood swings uh this year so i'm really excited about that so you could catch me on instagram at is that asha so that's i-s-t-h-a-t-a-s-h-a um my name is asha like tasha without the t and yeah i'm really excited for that and then also another project that's more more so a, a creative umbrella is a company or agency that I'm calling Goose mm-hmm. um, so it's more like a creative management agency and production company so I want to get more into creative direction and all of that good stuff and bring in friends and people that I feel like are skilled and creative as well um, to help bring other people's visions alive too so awesome well I am excited to see where your brand goes and the things that you do and all the creative output that I know you're going to have in the future. So thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Uh, to those of you listening, make sure you check out Asha online. Go find that that EP, uh, that Masturbate, from, from 2014. Um, and look out for the projects that she has on the horizon. And as always, remember to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Take care. Thank you for listening to the December 26er podcast. I am your host, Delisha. This episode was produced by Demarcus Adisa, and music was provided by Thovo. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at December 26er. That's December 26ER.